August 1936, three years before the start of the Second World War, an automobile putters down one of the first modern highways in Europe toward the jagged skyline of Berlin, the capital of Nazi Germany. In the driver's seat, behind the wheel, sits a young man named Adolf Dassler, known by his friends and family as Adi. Dassler is 36 years old, with a movie star's good looks. He's driving a convertible, the breeze whipping his coarse brown hair. The son of a weaver and a laundry operator, Adi grew up in a factory town in the state of Bavaria. His father was a master weaver. His mother ran a laundry. When he was a teenager training to be a baker's assistant, he'd been sent to fight against the French in World War I. He was dispatched to the front where he witnessed many gruesome ways to die and to survive. He still carries the trauma of all that he saw. But when he returns from the war, Adi desperately wants to put it all behind him, to find something to pour his energy into and to occupy his mind. Adi is extremely ambitious. Soon, he and his brother Rudy start building their own footwear company. They call it Gebruder Dassler, the Dassler Brothers. They launch their company from their mother's laundry room, learning the necessary stitching skills from their father. High-quality materials are hard to come by after the Great War, so Adi and Rudy initially rummage through any discarded army gear, old parachutes, and battered helmets they can scrounge up, and, of course, anything with leather. To slice up the leather, Adi mounts a trimmer to a bicycle, and when he pedals, the blades come to life. It is a scrappy little operation put together from spare parts and ingenuity. Far from the multi-billion dollar concern, it will become... But the shoes that emerge from that little makeshift factory in Bavaria are sturdy and durable. They're a major improvement over other available shoes with cleats, which tend to disintegrate after a few months of wear. Soon, Gebruder Dassler is working with the head of Germany's national track team, Joseph Weitzer, on a line of running shoes. The timing is good. Soccer is increasingly becoming a popular sport in Germany and a welcome escape for hundreds of thousands of Germans who flock to the grandstands of local club games or compete themselves in amateur matches. Through sheer force of will, Adi and Rudy convince several major clubs to equip their players with Dassler shoes. But Adi Dassler already has an even bigger stage in mind. It is August 1st, 1936. And he's steering his convertible through the streets of Berlin, vendors festooned with swastika flags. It is the eve of the Summer Olympics, and he can't help but grin. His destiny, the goal he and his brother Rudy have been working toward for 15 years, finally feels within reach. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines. And every step along the way, you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? 
Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S. And Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. I'm David Brown. In this episode, we continue the story of Nike versus Adidas by going back to take a look at the roots of the coming blowout rivalry between the two biggest sneaker manufacturers on the planet. A friendly reminder here, this series is intended to be listened to in order, so if you haven't had a chance to download our first episode, I'd recommend that you go back and do that now, because to understand this battle, it's important to fully appreciate just how similar and how different these two companies are. Though they're two of the world's most talked about brands today, Nike and Adidas were born decades ago and thousands of miles apart, one in Germany, the other in Oregon. Later, we'll be visiting with a young track star named Phil Knight and his coach, Bill Bowerman, who together founded Nike. But for now, it's 1936. We're in Berlin and preparations are underway for the Summer Olympics. We're still a couple of years away from the Second World War, but with Adolf Hitler as German Chancellor, the Berlin Games have been drawing international criticism. Several countries, including Belgium, say they will boycott the Summer Games, citing Hitler's odious anti-Semitism and his apparent intention to use the Games to showcase the superiority of his Aryan athletes, as he sees it. Still, the Games will go forward before spectators who travel to Berlin from all around the world, and Adi is determined that they will see more than just the athletes, that they'll see the best sports shoes you can get, made in Germany, of course. Shouldering a duffel bag filled with shoes, Adi makes his way into the Olympic village toward a modest beige-walled structure. Adi knows this building is where the American track athletes will be sleeping for the duration of the games. He asks around until he finds someone who can introduce him to a fellow named Jesse Owens, a young African-American man considered by many to be the best sprinter in the world. Instead, though, he runs into his old friend, Joseph Weitzer, who coaches the German track team. Now, Weitzer has agreed, as a favor to Adi, to help get his buddy's products onto the feet of as many athletes as possible, regardless of home country. But Adi has one particular athlete he wants to wear his shoes. Can you get a pair to Owens? Waitzer shakes his head emphatically. The favor Adi is asking could have serious consequences. Impossible. If Hitler finds out a German company is providing shoes to a black American athlete, there will be hell to pay. Just try for me, please. Which Waitzer does. When he hands the shoes to Owens... The runner pulls on the upper part of the shoe, testing its weight and strength. Most athletic shoes of the day were made of wood and leather, heavy, thick things. But Dassler's shoes are lightweight, cobbled out of canvas and rubber. Impressive. Owens turns the shoes over and lets his fingertips graze the cleats. 
He's intrigued. He's never worn anything like them. Never seen anything like them either. He takes him out for a few test runs. He comes back still breathing hard. <sighs> yeah, now he's a convert. I either wear these shoes or I wear nothing at all. A few days later, Adi and Rudy Dassler are in the stands as the runners take their positions. Inside the Olympic grounds, flags with Nazi swastikas and the Olympic symbol encircle the field. Standing in his car, Hitler arrives to cheers, his limo trailed by a long motorcade. He makes his way to the viewing box perched high in the stands, allowing him to look down on all the athletes and the spectators. Everyone assembled waits for his remarks, which will mark the official start of these games. So As the runners make their way to the track, a hush falls over the crowd. There's so much riding on the outcome. Not just medals, of course, but national pride. And for Adi and Rudy, a chance to show the world something else. As Owens wins one gold medal and then another, then a third and a fourth, the crowd erupts in cheers. A man from the United States, a black man from the United States, is trouncing the German Aryans in Hitler's own backyard. It is an accomplishment for the ages. And Owens does it all in a pair of track shoes made by the Dassler brothers. A few weeks later, Adi Dassler receives a handwritten thank you note from Owens, now the most famous athlete in the world. In the aftermath of the 1936 Olympics, the Dassler company, soon to be known as Adidas, grows rapidly. The German economy is flourishing, and by 1939, on the eve of World War II, the company has built another big factory in Bavaria in order to meet demand for the Dassler brothers' shoes. This should be a time when these brothers savor their newfound success. And yet, like brothers everywhere, Rudy and Adi clash frequently. Adi is more cerebral, more interested in tinkering with new designs. Rudy is brash and outgoing, and he resents Adi's very young wife, Kath, for daring to weigh in on the future of the company. In a letter to a friend, Rudy remembers that before Kath, he and his brother were so close. My relationship with my brother between 1924 and 1933 was ideal. Then his wife, who's all of 16 years old and has absolutely no experience, thinks she can have a say in business matters. The power struggle between Adi and Rudy, and Adi's wife, was escalating at about the same time that Germany was itself at war. In 1942, things came to a head for all of them. One evening, air raid sirens scream outside the Dassler Brothers factory in Bavaria. Rudy and his family dash from their home to a bomb shelter near the Dassler factory. A few minutes later, Adi and his wife rush in. There's panic, which quickly turns to anger. Rudy speaks. Here are those bloody bastards again. It's unclear who Rudy is referring to, but Adi thinks he knows. What did you just say to me? I'm ashamed you're my brother. With the plane still whistling overhead, 
the two brothers start screaming at one another. Rudy would say later that he was referring to the Allied planes. But Adi knows what he heard, and what he knows leaves a scar. As the war drags on, Hitler's government scrambles to meet the needs of the war machine, taking over many commercial factories for use in arms manufacturing. Employees for the airline Lufthansa, for instance, are ordered to help build radar units for German fighter planes, and the main Dostler Brothers shoe factory is converted to a production center for rocket launchers. In 1945, with Germany's defeat, Rudi and Adi find themselves locked in a new dispute. Like most powerful business people in Germany, the brothers had joined the Nazi party in the run-up to the war. And now, the Allied powers are running denazification commissions across the country. And the Dasslers are accused of war profiteering. Rudy's suspected of something even more serious, working on behalf of an intelligence arm of the Nazi party. Both brothers are eventually allowed to return to the company they build. But Rudy is convinced that Adi sold him out to the Allied authorities a charge that Kath denies. I can tell you this is untrue. Far from turning him in, my husband did everything he could to exonerate his brother, Rudy. And even as Germany slowly rebuilds and consumer spending resumes, the two brothers pull further and further apart. They will never reconcile. In 1947, from the ashes of the old Gebruder Dassler, Rudy starts his own company, which will eventually become the third largest sneaker company in the world, a company called Puma. And Adi Dassler starts a company too, creating a brand that blends his first and last names, Adidas, or as it would become better known outside of Germany, Adidas. The former employees of Gebruder Dassler are permitted to choose which brother they'd like to work for, the sales side of the old operation follow Rudy. The designers and craftspeople, they go with Adi. Rudy had always been the more business-minded of the pair. But it was shortly after Adidas was incorporated that Adi has an idea that will help define his company for decades. Why not, he wonders, why not adorn every pair of Adidas shoes with three white stripes? As a logo, the stripes are simple, effective and memorable. They make every Adidas product into its own billboard. As both Puma and Adidas grow, a massive rift opens in the Dassler Brothers' hometown where the sneaker business now dominates the economy. The rift divides neighborhoods and districts and even extended families. By choosing what company you were going to work for, you were also choosing which stores you patronized and which schools your kids attended. Although much later there will be rumors of a late-in-life reconciliation between Rudy and Adi, at least publicly a wall of silence divides the brothers. They are now sworn and bitter rivals, as are their wives and children. Even in death, the rivalry will persist. Although the brothers are buried today in the same cemetery, the plots lie at separate ends of the site. Gradually, Adidas begins to pull away from Puma. Puma's shoes are sound from a technical perspective. Rudy is a good designer, if not quite as good as Adi. But crucially, Rudy's personal skills leave something to be desired. 
In the run-up to the 1954 World Cup, he gets on the wrong side of the coach of Germany's national team. Germany signs with Adidas instead, giving Adi Dassler access to the world stage. Then Germany goes on to win the tournament, putting the players in their Adidas gear, in newsreels and on front pages around the world. You just can't pay for that kind of advertising. Adi begins a high-profile press tour, touting the supremacy of his soccer cleats. The world of mass marketing sports culture is growing fast, and so is Adidas. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. Fast forward to November 1962 and thousands of miles away. A train twists its way through the Japanese countryside on the way to the city of Kobe. Outside, past the dented plexiglass windows, flicks a landscape of red-leafed maple trees. In one of the cars is a wiry former track star with unkempt blonde hair named Phil Knight. Like Adi Dassler, Knight is a shoe geek. He knows how much the technology on a runner's feet can matter to his performance. And having recently earned a diploma from the Stanford Graduate School of Business, Knight has a good idea of how much potential there is in the American sneaker market. As Knight had discovered at Stanford, that market was ready for disruption. Mass market sports were booming. Endorsement deals were getting bigger and bigger. But the only brand to have really found sustained success in the U.S. was a German company called Adidas. Why not try to shake things up? Why not try to build an American company that could take a bite out of Adidas's dominant market position? A few days earlier, after landing in Japan, Knight cold calls a popular shoe company called Onitsuka Tiger, which makes sneakers worn by, eh, well, pretty much every young, hip person in the country. Eventually, Phil Knight would become rich and famous by marketing his own brand of sneakers, but for now, he figures there might be money to be made by bringing Onitsuka Tiger to the U.S. To his surprise, the executives at Onitsuka agree to a visit from him, which is why he's on this train to Kobe. 
Knight finds a room at a budget hotel and the next morning makes his way to the Onitska factory. He's pretty nervous, to be honest. He has only the barest of game plans, and he's short of something else, too. Money. When Knight arrives at the Onitska factory in Kobe, executives give him a brief tour before leading him to a conference room. Before arriving, Knight had rehearsed this scene in his head over and over again, in the same way he used to rehearse his races as a runner. In the conference room, the Onitska executives sit in a neat row in front of him, and the questions begin. Mr. Knight, what company are you with? (laughs) Ah, yes, good question. Despite preparing for every anticipated inquiry about his business plan, he had uh, neglected to think of the most basic thing. Knight's mind races. With as much neural speed as his brain can muster, he thinks back to the awards from his track days and blurts out the first thing that comes to mind. My company is called Blue Ribbon Sports of Portland, Oregon. He knows it's a long and clumsy name that no one would ever use, but once he sees the executives nodding approvingly, he takes heart and launches into his pitch. Gentlemen, the American shoe market is enormous and largely untapped. If Onitska can get its tigers into American stores and price them to undercut Adidas, which most American athletes now wear, it could be a hugely profitable venture. Knight explains that as a former track star himself, he is the perfect person to help get the company into the U.S. market. He knows his shoes. More important, thanks to his time at Stanford, he knows what sells. Now, to be honest with himself, Knight thinks it's pretty thin, his sales pitch. But it's all he's got. And to his surprise, the Onitska guys start nodding again. Mr. Knight, we've been thinking about the American market for a long time. Knight and the executives part with a promise. Knight agrees to mail them a $50 check for the samples he'd need to circulate among American buyers. Little did the Onitska executives know that Knight didn't have $50. So Knight does what many of us have probably done once or twice, perhaps. He writes a letter to the one person he thinks might come through in a pinch. Dear Dad, Urgent, please wire $50 right away to Onitska Corp. of Kobe. Knight heads back to the U.S. to find a corporate accountant to help get his company off the ground. He turns to a person he can trust, his former coach at the University of Oregon, Bill Bowerman. At Oregon, Bowerman was notorious for being obsessed with running gear and the technical aspects of track. Knight reasons that Bowerman will be an asset as the pair start to import Onitska Tigers. Okay, so accounting might not have been Bowerman's strong suit, but Knight thinks he's still the best person to help him launch the company. And profits? Well, they'll worry about the numbers as they go along. Turns out they wouldn't really need much of a calculator at first. Blue Ribbon Sports doesn't exactly explode. In its first year, the company sells approximately 1,300 pairs of shoes for a total gross of $8,000. But by the next year, it grosses $20,000, enough to bring on a full-time employee to help with distribution. Meanwhile, Bowerman has begun to do what he does best. Tinker. Tinker with new designs. Tinker with new styles. 
Bowerman spends a lot of time messing around in the kitchen with his wife's waffle iron, looking at that pattern. What if you could use this as a mold for rubber and maybe put that on the bottom of a running shoe? The waffle iron didn't quite survive the eureka moment, but the souls end up living forever. In 1971, now armed with a bunch of blueprints, Bowerman and Knight cut ties with Onitska to found their own company. For a logo, they choose a kind of stylized checkmark designed by a young student at Portland State University where Knight had been lecturing on a part-time basis. They've now got a logo of sorts, what would come to be known as the swoosh, but what kind of swoosh? For a name, they borrow one from the Greek goddess of speed, Nike. As for their target, there's only one, really. That shoe company started back in Bavaria decades ago. The one that at the moment dominates the U.S. market. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Business Wars. Next time on Nike vs. Adidas, it's the stripes versus the swoosh as Nike tries to poach one of the best-known athletes from Adidas. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, NPR, iHeartRadio, Wondery.com, or wherever you're listening right now. You'll find a link on the episode notes. Just tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll also see some offers from our sponsors, and we hope you'll support our show by supporting them. If you'd like to hear more of Business Wars and the other Wondery shows, in addition to some extra content, early access, and exclusive perks, you can subscribe to Wondery Plus. Go to Wondery.com plus. That's P-L-U-S. Another way to support us is to answer a short survey at Wondery.com survey. I'm your host, David Brown. Matt Scher wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Sound design by Bay Area Sound. Our executive producers are Hernan Lopez and Marshall Louie for Wondery. Hey, I'm Mike Corey, the host of Wandery's show, Against the Odds. In our next season, I'm telling an amazing true story about American sailors who wrecked their ship off the coast of Africa in 1815. They're captured by a nomadic tribe. To escape, they will need to cross the largest hot desert in the world to reach civilization. They will battle against blistering heat, inhumane conditions, hunger, and thirst. Their heroic fight to get home will have a much greater impact than just on their own lives. It will influence a future president and change the course of American history in ways that are still felt today. This is the true story of the men who made it, and it's one that you don't want to miss. Subscribe to Against the Odds on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now.